You get so excited to go out to dinner, and then it's the inevitable that you get in the car and say, guys, where do you want to go to dinner? And then it's fighting for the next 10 minutes. It almost ruins the night. And somehow parents say, this is where we're going. That's it. I think it's just interesting. We have um, that we should have peace with one another. Um, And that's tough because we're all different individuals. Um, I don't think there has ever been one single time where we've gone out to dinner as a family and all five of us agreed. Um, But we probably could have done it a little more peaceful. Uh, There's different strategies. Some people say, okay, you get to pick this night and you can pick the next night. Some people say there is no choice. We'll tell you where you're going. Um, My wife and I always seem to just go, we can do it this time. Where do we want to go? And then five minutes in, we say, why did we ask the question? Why did we ask the question? You get into the whole, you said you liked that restaurant last time. How can you not like it this time? It's the same stuff. But... I did also think it was very interesting the way the Spirit of the Lord did this, because um, I don't think we did it this way, but last week we had admonish one another. Um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that message from Dan. I was talking to him about it. Um, to be able to go up to someone and say, hey, I think, I think you're doing this wrong. And so in today's society, maybe it's just my own mind, it, it almost seems like, well, oh, well, today we're going to talk about how to get along. It almost seems like those two cl- clash, right? Like, you can't talk about admonishing someone and then talking about having peace with someone that doesn't work. Well, that's, that's one of the problems. That's why we're doing the one another's. They actually both work, and they should both be able to happen. You should be able to admonish someone peaceably. And you should be able to keep love for one another as you're doing those things. And there's a lot more one another's coming. And, you know, it just um, as the Christian walk is, it's not like we get to pick one or two to do. We have to do them all. <laughs> Um, and so as we're building upon that, those are some of the thoughts that run through my head. If you want to turn to Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, verse 49 and 50. It says this, For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace with one another. Let's look to the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, again, uh, we admire you uh, for the way you uh, preached peace. You are peace. You have brought us peace. Um, you have given us the ability to have peace with one another and peace with God, the peace of God. Lord, it's such a great theme from your word. Um, thank you so much uh, for showing us uh, people's skills. Lord, we pray during this time that again you would do a mighty work, that through this whole series of one another's, Lord, that we would um, get better, that we would not feel um, a need to, in our own strength, try to get better, but that we would have a love for you that would motivate us to try to get better relationally uh, with each other and with the world. And so, uh, again, Lord, we pray that uh, we would uh, be those that have peace with one another. Be honored and glorified above all during this time, Lord. Thank you uh, so much that we are not the only place calling on your name right now. 
but that all over the world people are calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. And so we join them gladly for the work that you have done. In your name, amen. Well, this, these two verses kind of in context, um, they kind of jump out. You're like, I need a little more context when you're looking at it. So I will start with the context with this. What causes us to not have peace with each other? Right, so I don't know about you. Maybe you sit there and go, "Hey, this is, this one's not that hard for me. Peace with one another. I'm a pretty peaceable person. I don't really uh, butt heads with people." And some of you are thinking, "Oh no, I should have stayed home." But um, the number one thing that causes us not to have peace with one another is really a lack of consideration for other people. And the reason I say that is, it's interesting, I didn't even know this happened that many times, but the disciples in context were actually arguing about who's the greatest. So that's how it is in Mark chapter 9 and verse 33, while they were walking along the road, you can read in the context if you want, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus takes a child and says, listen, you're not getting it. Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. And then you go on, and after Jesus is trying to say, because he's addressing them, arguing about who's the greatest, then John says, hey, you know, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he doesn't follow us. It's kind of like right over the head. And so Jesus is going to address that and say, don't forbid him, what are you doing? And there's just this sense, right? Like if you were disciples during that time, that would be pretty cool. You have the most famous person on earth at that point. He is literally healing people. People who are blind are opening up their eyes. And um, he's doing absolutely miraculous things. And then in the temple, he's speaking with authority. And woo, he's like getting at the Pharisees. And his fame is going out throughout the region, the uh, Bible says. And you're one of his twelve. So people are like, oh, who gets to hang out with Jesus? Oh, those twelve do. And so already there's this idea of like, hey, man, and even amongst us 12, because we obviously are better than everyone else because we're your disciples, but who's the greatest among us 12? we got to know. Because we always like this hierarchy kind of plan of like, hey, I just want to fall in line. This isn't the only time they've done this. Later on, in the next couple chapters, this is where you read about um, James and John's mom. Asking the Lord, hey, who gets to sit at your right and left? Can it be my boys? Can it be my boys? And there's an actually an interesting verse that says, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. And when I thought that, I thought, oh, they're kind of upset. Like, guys, why would you argue to the Lord about who gets to sit at his right and left? But actually, if you look at it, they're kind of upset. Like, hey, what about us? You didn't even include us in this. We're not even up for discussion. So Jesus has addressed this throughout the whole time of his discipleship, and then we know what happens in the upper room. In the upper room, the night before he's crucified, when he washes their feet, he's addressing the fact that they're arguing about who's the greatest. This was a running theme. This wasn't a mishap with the disciples. This was a running theme. Who's the best among us? Why don't people get along? Why don't they live in harmony? We, we don't consider other people better than ourselves. We have a lack of consideration, actually, for others. Here's what it means to live in peace. It's actually to live in harmony with someone. You know what's interesting to me about harmony? Maybe because I play a little bit. It's not everyone getting along. 
In other words, there's always a melody to a song. Well, a harmony is different notes. <laughs> In other words, there's two different notes coming together to make it even sound better. See, sometimes we think being at peace with another is making sure everyone thinks the exact same way. Well, if you only play the melody in music, you don't hear a depth of music that can be. That's why we like harmony. We like all the other little added parts that together it's now harmonious. And if you take those pieces out, well, you can take the melody out, but the other harmonic parts sometimes, even when singing, if you have that person sing that song in a harmony outside of the melody, it kind of sounds bad. But when it all comes together, it sounds amazing. So I think it's interesting that the definition is to live in harmony with people, understanding we are going to disagree. And yet, two people disagreeing peaceably can actually be even more um, beautiful to witness than people just simply getting along all the time. And that's the beauty of the church. You've got a lot of people. Again, my silly illustration with my family. What Do you really think the universal church is going to agree on everything? Come on, guys. That's not going to happen. It's just not. There's a lot of reasons for that. But it was a very big theme for the Lord that we would be like-minded and unified and we would have peace with one another. Leonard Bernstein was this uh, huge musical composer. He said this. He was once asked what instrument was the most difficult to play. He thought about it for a moment and he said, the second fiddle. I can get plenty of first violinists. To find someone who can play the second fiddle with enthusiasm, that's a problem. And if we have no second fiddle, we have no harmony. I thought it was really profound. Everyone wants to be number one. And so right off the bat, what's going to stop us from having peace with one another is, it, I feel like this is definitely elementary. It's, you're not being nice to people. <laughs> you're not getting along with people. You have your thing that you got to push. I want to talk about some um, just practical ways in which we need to be on guard about. That happens here in the assembly. I'm not saying Bramer, I'm just talking about church in general. <clears throat> you have a brother or sister who suddenly starts studying this doctrine that's brand new to them. Maybe it's even a tough doctrine, and they spend years studying it. And when they're finally convinced that this is of the Lord, they want everyone to get on board within five minutes, even though it's taken them years. So how does that work? Okay, how does that work? How do you go about telling people about something you learn in Scripture? Because those are hard conversations, right? It's kind of like the trump card. If you go, listen, I studied about it in the Bible, it's almost like you can't go, well, I disagree, because you said it was from the Bible now. <laughs> But we know there's a lot of interpretation and things like that. So, for example, if I came here suddenly next Sunday, I said, you know what, guys, I've really been studying greet one another with a holy kiss. You know what? We ain't doing it right. And I'm going to start kissing all of you. And no matter how you feel, no matter what you do, I'm going to meet you at that door, I'm going to hug you, and I'm going to kiss you. Because I feel led. That's what the Scripture teaches. The interesting thing about that is you're also now going against being at peace with one another. And so some of these things are really interesting. Now, to me, that's a, a crazy example, hopefully, and hopefully no one's struggling with that. You know, if you are, I'm sorry. <laughs> all right? But even me, I'm a hugger. I say it all the time. Sometimes I mess up. People come into Brantford, I say, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. I hug them, and I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm a hugger. <laughs> 
And you know what happens? Sometimes people sit there and say, hey, I'm a hugger too. Great. Love this church. And other times people go, apology accepted. And I go, yes, I'm sorry again. <laughs> okay? But the point is, is that even if I feel we should all be hugging when we get to see each other, I understand I'm one person. And I'm going to apologize by doing it. I say, oh, I'm sorry. I'm a hugger. And I, I just went in again. I'm sorry. But the point is I'm thinking about other people. I've had to learn that. I'm trying to keep peace with people. There are so many times where you study something in Scripture and you just want to bang someone over the head with it, even though it's taken you months to years to be convinced of that passage. That's not being peaceful with people. And I'm not saying at all that we shouldn't share what we've learned. Absolutely we should, but what's your attitude in doing it? And we'll talk about that. Another one I think that uh, people just don't consider others This is one I've always kind of struggled with. When people say things like this, I have this calling in my life. I have a calling from God. It's kind of hard to argue. There's really nothing you can say. No, you didn't. You didn't get called. I've talked to numerous people. No, I've had this calling. I've got to obey the Lord. I have this calling. And sometimes it doesn't matter who they hurt along the way. It doesn't matter about certain things that didn't go uh, right or wrong, they're going to do their calling that they feel is from the Lord no matter what. And it actually starts to cause division and strife. And what amazes me about this whole thing about being at peace is it seems like when people have a calling, then suddenly they throw out the other verses that say, do not be divisive. (laughs) Love people. Have patience with one another. It's like those things take second place to what is on their mind. And that's just the logistics of then you're not considering others. You're not considering others. We have to be careful with that stuff. You know, again, about callings, by the way, it's always interesting that sometimes we don't disagree with the calling. We disagree on the timing of it. David was anointed king. This is the example we always use that I love. Wasn't made king for years. (laughs) After that, some people say, listen, I feel led to preach more. Praise the Lord. Okay. Well, there's a process there maybe, right? And some people just say, well, I'm going to go to seminary and I'm going to go get my degree and then I'm going to put my resume out there. All right. And I'm not getting into that whole situation. No, we don't do it like that here at Brantford. I'm just saying that we have to be careful about promoting and not considering others first. Maybe considering to be more patient. If you wanted to preach or something, maybe it will take you a while. And some of those things are nice that we realize we're not promoting ourselves. And that there's checks and balances. And I do have to say just a little sidebar about preaching. You know, it's amazing. You have numerous people in this room that have preached at numerous churches in different events and have never once asked to preach. They have always been... I'm sorry, they, they've never actually said, can I preach there? That God has actually orchestrated where they have been asked. They've been given a phone call. Hey, would you come speak here? And they say, okay. But they never once had to put their name out there and say, hey, I would like to go uh, speak at your church. Never once. And so those things happen. We keep the peace that way. Here's another way, I think, that causes us not to have peace with one another or a lack of consideration for one another. Someone who says, you know what? I really don't need people. 
You're not considering others then. <laughs> uh, there are those out there that just say something like, well, you know, I just really don't need people. Um, if they want to talk to me, I guess that's okay, but I'm content with never talking to anyone. Just kind of being in the corner of the room somewhere. Well, if that's your personality, okay. But that doesn't mean you don't get to talk to people. Because <laughs> actually, you're not considering them. Maybe, maybe they need you to talk to them. Because as we see later on, we are all one body, and I need you. And you actually need me. And so if you're going to seclude yourself from the body, then someone's needs aren't getting met. And so that's the way it works. It's very easy to trick our minds in saying, you know what, I'm at peace with everyone because I don't talk to anyone. It's very easy to do that. Because if you're like me, it still takes a while to start talking to someone and still keep the peace. <laughs> Sometimes we're going to start to argue and stuff like that. But don't be misled to sit there and think that just because you don't talk to anyone, you're doing great at being peaceable. Because even if you are, this is what we talked about before, you're not doing the other one in others. If you don't talk to someone, you can't admonish someone. And so this is what I'm saying about being a lack of consideration. Um, in our small group, we're even talking somewhat of that, of like, you know what? It would actually be nice if someone admonished me. We actually brought that up. Like, it doesn't happen. Someone who actually cares and says, hey, what about this in your life? And so when we talk about being at peace with one another, some people just think that means great. I don't talk to anyone. That's awesome. You can't do the other one in others then. I'd again, I talk about them all the time. My friend... Um, Chris Barnett, one of the guys, because he was completely opposite of me personality, he literally did not talk to people. Um, he was one of the most shyest guys you know, unless, like typical shy people, you got them one-on-one and then you can't shut them up. But um, speaking of hugs, he was a guy that literally, I think I was like 18, 19, I came home from college or something, um, I gave him a hug, and his first response was, don't do that. He said, uh, you can hug my wife, not me. I don't do that. I go, okay, we came to an agreement. That was peaceable. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> but uh, even in that, he was the one, too, that um, Kim and I were going over to their house for dinner one night. I crashed my car. He was the first one on the scene kind of deal. And he actually put his arm around me, and I thought, oh, my goodness. He actually, like, like to him, that was like 18,000 hugs. I couldn't believe he actually touched me. I was like, Wow. Like, this is fine. I'm okay. <laughs> like, if you knew him, it was just one of those guys. But I tell you, even though he really struggled with, with talking to people and, quote, still does, he still wanted to be used of the Lord. So he worked with kids. He did a wanna for years. He did a wanna for years. He was one of the guys I said before. I was over his house. He did a lot of one-on-one with people. Um, and then uh, he did acts of service. So he tried to fix people's cars and things of that nature. And so one time I was over at his house and I saw just like a, a piece of paper with like 20 verses on it. I said, what is this, dude? He goes, well, he goes, I got a Muslim friend at work and uh, he had some questions. So I, I want to give him some verses. And I thought, oh, my goodness, like here's a guy that does not talk to people and yet is giving verses to people at work. Like then maybe I'm missing the point. <laughs> like maybe I should be considering those kinds of things. And so. That's just a lot of stories for you can be shy and you can not be a people's person. That's fine. 
But to be at peace with one another, you've got to be considerate of other people around you and how they're feeling. Um, sometimes seclusion makes them feel bad. Why should we have all this peace? Uh, because we're family. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll start in verse 1. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Hint, hint, we'll be doing that one soon. <laughs> okay. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And then it's going to start actually talking about spiritual gifts. But we are family, guys. We are in the body of Christ. And in that, it says endeavoring, that's kind of a big word, that you labor, you work at, to keeping the unity of the uh, Spirit in the bond of peace. The unity of the Spirit's already done. The Spirit of God has unified us all. We are the family of God through the gospel when you accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior. And so you're laboring at keeping peace among us because we are family. Because we are one body. Now, this seems pretty reasonable, right? Like, you can argue with family and all that stuff, but it's always interesting when someone else talks about your family, right? It's hilarious. You can talk bad about your family. Someone else does it, and you're like, you better back up, because that's my family. Uh, I think my brother's actually shared this story. We, um, I know this is a little crazy. I actually played a little soccer. That's not true, totally. We played rec sports soccer at Messiah College. I was a freshman. My brother was trying to get me to like meet people. You know what I'm saying? So I joined up on the team. Um, and so we were playing uh, rec sports soccer. These were guys that were actually really good in high school, just didn't want to play at the college level. Zero to zero in the playoffs. I think it was double overtime. Thank you. I know it still hurts him. Um, my brother was goalie, believe it or not. No one could score on him. He was like a brick wall. And yet there was a corner kick. And in my athleticism, I tried to jump up and kick the ball out and kicked it into our goal. <laughs> Game over. Well, uh, my cousin was on the team too, and uh, we were definitely almost a family as a team because everyone had no problem suddenly talking to me. Um, you know, you, you just start slowly backing off the field, and you're like, yep, yep, that was me. Uh, and people are, you know, saying stuff, my brother and cousin included. Uh, and it was just, if you were there, it was just so funny. I'm literally like walking away and there's like my team coming after me to say, what were you doing? And one guy from the other team says something like, that guy must feel like an idiot. And that whole, who are you talking about right now? Are you talking about my brother? Are you talking about my cousin? Who do you think you are? And suddenly it was like, no, no, we get to talk like that. You don't get to talk about him like that at all. And that's how family works sometimes. And it's amazing to me that we do not think like that or feel like that or ever seem to defend the church. It is like open season. You want to talk bad about a brother or sister, it's absolutely okay. And I don't know why. 
And I'm talking about universal church. I'm not even talking about Brantford. And I struggle with this. And we've talked about this. But I get more and more convicted. There are some people out there who are my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I mean legitimate brothers and sisters. We're going to be together forever. And I don't agree with 80, 90% of what they do in life. But you know what? It's my family. And listen, it's, just, it's not okay to bash people even if their doctrine's wrong. All right, let's, let's go for the, I don't know, the, the people running up and down the aisle with dance and twirls and hallelujah and all that stuff, okay? I don't agree with it. But you know what? They're my brothers and sisters. And so here's what we say. Instead of just bashing them, we've never even talked to them yet, right? So you can talk about, okay, maybe I don't agree with this doctrine. But you start talking about them and putting them in category, you haven't even, you've never even met them. Never even met them. We're so quick. And we're just like the disciples. Like, who's the greatest? Because they aren't. And we are. It just gets crazy. It is so, uh, such a priority that we would have been like-minded and unified as the body of Christ. As we said already before, it says the world will know us by our love for one another. And we can't seem to stop talking bad about each other. Again, we talked about, you think non-believers want to join that? I don't know. All right, so what happens? Let's get, again, pretty practical. How do you have peace with one another if we know we're going to disagree? How does this actually, like, how does it pan out? How does one have peace with one another? Some of these things you might even remember. Uh, we might have said some of these things before, but I want to go through practically um, how we do that. One, we obviously have to have patience with each other, right? That's always a, a big thing, humility and patience. As we've already said, there's sometimes where um, we have been struggling with something in our own lives that we have finally either given up to the Lord or something like that, and, and we forget that it took us a very long maturing process to have a handle on that situation in our life. And now we think everyone else should just be right up to speed. Okay, it's just not the way it works. It's not the way it works. So make sure you have patience. But I do want to say this. This is just some of the things we should do. We should remember when we're discussing our differences. If you ever feel like you're about to get into it with someone and maybe it's not so peaceable, that we should try our best to remember the person's personality and their personal history. Okay? We are so bad at this. Understanding someone's personality and their personal history. So I just did this uh, at uh, work. And again, I feel like I, it, it wasn't um, not peaceable. I don't know what that word is. Um, so we were talking at work. And I said something like, hey, yeah, I, I struggle with people who struggle with anxiety. And I said it in a nice way. He goes, oh, Clifford. And as soon as I said that, he said, you know, my daughter struggles with anxiety, right? Now the conversation changes, right? You're, you're no longer talking about something in general. Now it's, and, and he discussed a lot of things that he went through and why his daughter was struggling with that. And, and, and it was some deep stuff. And uh, it, it was all peaceable. But what I'm saying is, I'm glad he said that because some people won't say those things. And then as you're saying, oh, why would you do this or why would you do that? All they're thinking about is their personal history going, this guy is messed up. (laughs) 
And do you think that actually happens among us here? Never. Okay? Guys, I, we, we have some history here. <laughs> the, the people in this room got some history. I mean, we, we've been through some things. Not me, you. I mean, we, we, when we talk about certain topics and things like that, we, we have to be careful. I mean, there's people in the room that have been through some traumatic stuff. And we, we can't just talk about it flippantly. Um, you got to remember someone. You've got to remember what they've been through. <clears throat> remember what the Lord Jesus says in the Psalms. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows our frame. He is mindful that we are dust. He's mindful of that. Isn't that great to know that the Lord Jesus knows that about us? He remembers our frame. He knows that, you know, he's mindful that we are but dust. He takes that into consideration in talking with us. <clears throat> Let me tell you something else that I cannot be dogmatic about, but I've seen it in my own life. You remember how um, there's different words uh, for God's law sometimes in the Old Testament. There's statutes, ordinances, and commandments. Okay, Statutes can deal with God's social law. Um, ordinances can uh, sometimes deal with uh, church law. Commandments sometimes have to do with God's character. So when you read these words in the Old Testament, they might be even addressing different types of law. Okay, And so why am I saying that? Well, it seems to me sometimes that even based on spiritual gifts, that sometimes we are bent to one more than the other. Sometimes we're bent to more than one than the other. Okay, And so um, if you're someone that worries about um, you know, your witness so much, that's where you might sit there and say, oh, no, 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 no. Like, my testimony is so important, and that's how it all should be. And that is a biblical thing, right? We should worry about our testimony, how we are presented to the world. But that might be really passionate on you. And so when someone else does something that might be, mm, I don't know if I would do that in the world, that person gets really kind of upset about it. They're like, oh, you can't do that. You, like, the number one thing is your witness. That's how it is in their mind. And so we have to be careful in talking. Other people, all they care about is teaching. What does the Bible say? That's it. And relationally, they're like, yeah, I love you, but I love you because the book tells me to. Right? And so there's differences among us. Some people, all they care about is evangelizing. We've talked about this. That's all they want to hear from the pulpit. How to evangelize better. Let's go after the world. And we need every one of those in the assembly. We need every single one, guys. This is the whole part about, I think it's First Corinthians, we're talking about body life and how can the hand say to the foot and all that. God has impressed upon us things we are passionate about. And that is good and healthy for the assembly. You do not want an assembly filled with only teachers and no pastors. You do not want an assembly filled with only pastors and not teachers. You do not want an assembly filled with only evangelists. You do not want those things. You need all of them to have a healthy, ooh, harmonious body. That's what we need. And yet sometimes in discussions amongst ourselves, amongst believers, we struggle so much with having peace because we have something that's passionate and God gave us that passion. But we're not thinking of the other person. We're not considering others in our discussions. 
We just have this thing and we think it's biblical and so that's it. And I've just been convicted again and again on this study how important God wants us to be at peace with each other and get along. And it is not by any means ever saying we don't have to follow Scripture. We just have to understand that He made us with different personalities for a good reason. And we are gifted differently for a good reason. I would also like to encourage us that in discussions and when we have disagreements and we're trying not to be at peace with one another, we really need to get better at using Scripture instead of personal opinions. Okay, if I want to admonish you on you are messing up, you are, uh, you know, I don't know, I hear that you're going to sell your house so you can go invest in a cocoa farm in Brazil. I don't know. Okay, I might want to admonish you in that. Okay, but I'm not going to sit there and say, well, that's stupid. You know, most people uh, sell their house and make their money over in, you know, Peru, not Brazil. You're doing it wrong. Okay, all that stuff is weird. Okay, we have to use scripture. You have to be able to use scripture when you're trying to do these things and say, hey, I've seen this financially from the Bible. What do you think? Okay, you have to use scripture. And again, I would like to remind us that a lot of times, there is a nervousness or a scared feeling that if you have no idea what you're talking about, it's hard to admit that. Can anyone relate to me? If someone says, you start talking about Scripture and, you know, um, is tithing 10% or not? And you have someone talking about Israelites and you know, you know it was 20% and, and they're just rattling off Jewish customs and shekels are coming into the conversation and all and you're just like this. And you have no idea. Just remember, one, to be humble if you don't have an idea, but two, whoever's talking should also remember that sometimes people don't have an idea. And so you're not going to get very far until you just start to build a foundation. Does that make sense? I said it before, probably. Um, I still remember, uh, you know, college, one of my roommates couldn't believe I uh, thought head covering was biblical. And we talked for like an hour. And then he said something that caught my ear. And I went, have you ever read the chapter? And he laughed. He goes, no. We just talked for an hour and you never read it? You've never read it and we talked for an hour. And I think it happens all the time. Wouldn't it be amazing if instead of starting to disagree, we go, you know, why don't we just read it together first? Then maybe go home, think about it. Come back next week and talk about it. Never happens that way. I'm saying this to myself. Maybe it will convict me. Never happens that way. So remember those things. Ask questions. Okay, when you disagree with someone, ask questions. One of the great questions is, why are you so passionate about this? Why are, you, why, are you, why are you so excited about this? You start to see people's backgrounds and why they're so excited about things, right? So, um, you know, for me, I, I can't stand division in church. I can easily sit there and say it's biblical. I can show you why. But some of that is my personal history. I've been through it. I've seen churches divide. I, I, I went to churches that maybe sometimes had that. So I'm going to be a little more on edge, when we have those discussions, because I got personal stuff I went through uh, through those things. Does that make sense? 
And so you start to ask questions simply like, hey, why is this? Why are you so passionate about this? Why, uh, you know, why do you care? Why now? Start to ask questions like that. All right. Remember, if there is disagreements going on and you're kind of like, well, I don't know if that's biblical or not. Um, you know, you know, we might not be the best, but us elders can might maybe help. We can at least tell you where Branford stands. Right. And so instead of sometimes just sitting there going, oh, who knows? You should at least know where Branford stands on an issue. And so you can go to us for that. Now, again, this is the humbling part. Should an elder know every single doctrine, no matter what, before they're qualified to be an elder? Or could we maybe have to go, you know what? Maybe we should study a little more and get back to you. Okay? So that, that's, a, that's okay, by the way. <laughs> that's okay. Instead of elders saying, oh, I got that answer right away. Sure. And rattling it off. It's actually better sometimes to go, you know what, let's look at it again. Uh, we can tell you our opinion in a week or two, maybe longer. Okay, so that's part of having peace with one another. All right, finally, why pursue peace to begin with? Okay, why pursue peace? It says there in the Bible that uh, pursue peace um, and holiness without which none will see the Lord. If we can live at peace with one another, people actually see the Lord. It's actually one of the best testimonies and witnesses that God has established. You remember Jack Spender talking about the book of Acts, why he felt the, the early church, and I agree with him, grew so much as they were like-minded. It wasn't the best preaching. It wasn't even necessarily the time. They were like-minded. It's very attractive to the world. Get a bunch of people with different backgrounds, different colors, different socioeconomic statuses, and they all get along. I'll be a part of that. Where should I sign up? And then when they do shine, we all together point to the Lord. Say, He's the one in charge. We're just all part of the family. You want to come into the family? Anyone can come. That's the way those things work. And now... Try not to bring my own personality into it. I'll tell you why we should be peacemakers. Because God hates, hates one who sows discord among the brethren. Hates it. It is one of the seven things he hates you can read about in Proverbs 6. Murder is in there, I believe. And sowing discord among the brethren is just as offensive as that to him. We have got to get on God's page. He cannot stand those who cause division and sow discord among God's people. It is very passionate to him. He says he hates it. Remember there in Romans where it says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned and avoid them. I'm not talking about someone has the wrong doctrine and we approach it as a, Hey, brother, sister, You might be wrong here. I'm talking about someone who has to have an agenda. Someone who's divisive. God says, avoid them. Avoid them. There are sickness to the assembly. No division. I hate those who sow discord among the brethren. Guys, this is an ultimate thing in church body life. We cannot be those who cause division and cause strife 
and just go, well, we didn't get along. Sorry. I want you to think about that because you know why? Relationships take time. If we have problems with each other, it's going to take some time to work out. It's not that easy. It does say in Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peacefully with all men. Yes, there are times where you, over a long period of time, are trying to work out an argument and someone is so prideful, someone is so stubborn, so arrogant, you can't fix the situation. Okay, but that's, that's kind of like what we, we, we like to say right off the bat. Uh, this person's divided, done. It takes a long time to come to that point. Well, it says if it's possible. You know, that means it's not possible all the time. We try everything we can to be peaceable with people. Everything. And yes, sometimes no matter what we do, someone is stubborn and arrogant. Or maybe it's us. <laughs> I don't know. But it's not, it's not the norm, guys. Finally, <clears throat> we do it because it's commanded. <laughs> seek peace and pursue it. Psalm 34. First Peter, let him seek peace and pursue it. Okay? In uh, Romans 12, it talks about live among peace among the brethren. It's numerous times. We just read it in Mark chapter 9. It is a command. Somehow in our Christian walks, there's times where we sit there and go, well, you know, it's a command to not uh, fornicate. It's a command not to get drunk. But we don't say it's a command to live at peace with people. <laughs> there's no difference between the commands, guys. None. We are commanded by Scripture to do this. These one another's are not guidelines. They are not if you feel like it. These are commands, body life, God telling us, this is how we have to treat one another. They are not if we want to. We are commanded by God to live at peace with one another. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of prayer for that. That's why we're going to pray. Ooh, segue. I'm going to close in prayer, and then uh, we're going to try something a little different. So if you don't agree with us, just peaceably argue with us, okay? Another joke. Um, Greg passed out a... Uh, actually, I shouldn't even say this. Are we good with it? You're the man. I was just trusting you completely. Greg passed out um, uh, a list of how we could pray for one another back uh, when we first started this. And I thought instead of our typical... I didn't actually think about it. John did, but I'll take the credit. Um, anyway, we're going to put that up on the slide. I know this slide is a little different than our typical uh, corporate prayer list, but... Uh, maybe we could uh, pray for some of these things up here um, uh, for each other and for some of these one another's. Because, again, I don't know about you, but it seems so easy to do some of these one another's. Like, I could love people. I could get at peace with people. And sometimes they're the hardest thing in the world. Um, and so let's uh, pray. And then, uh, Richie, can you close us after uh, we start the whole thing? Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you um, again that uh, you preached peace, you brought peace, you are peace. Lord, again, I'm always uh, always amazed that you said peace to your disciples after you rose from the dead. They left you. Uh, they all left you. You had to go through the crucifixion alone. 
And uh, I would, uh, I would not have reacted the way you did the first time I saw him. And so thank you so much that uh, you are so much better than us, that you are far above us. Help us, Lord, simply to be like you. In your name, amen.